Thank you, Gail. <clears throat> it really is. Yeah, don't take my notes or I'll just have to wing it. Like. I am uh, I'm excited for you guys, Dave and Shauna, because, you know, it's always good to hear the word of God preached, but it's kind of like Brandon was, was saying when he was talking about Nick, you know, I have no greater joy than to see, and, and when it's your kid up there and you just see what God's doing, it just makes your heart swell just a, a little bit, you know? Um, so I, you know, vicariously, I, I appreciate that with you guys. So anyway, Sam was lured into the living well class because we're also the eating well class. <laughs> so thank you to everyone that brought in, uh, you know, breakfast this morning. And it's fun to have a multicultural class because we get Egyptian food sometimes and, you know. It, it's super fun. So I appreciate everybody with that. The other announcement that I want to make is that on Tuesday night prayer, I'm going to try to get either this room or that room. But if we don't get one of these rooms, we'll be in the balcony. And while we have the, the prayer service on the screen, I want to put together notebooks for the Mission Focus Conference. We have 400 notebooks and we've got to get the, well, I think we're going to put, I think we're going to put together 400 and I think we'll have some extra if we need them, but, but four or 500 notebooks. If, if we have 500 people morning sessions, we'll do 500. Christine's probably right. She's always right about that kind of stuff. Anyway. Okay. So, but you got to get that cover sheet slid down in there and that, you know, in the, in the front of it, there's a thing here and you get the cover sheet there and you got to put that thing down the side and it's going to take a minute to get all that done. I don't know about everyone here. I know how Aaron's wired, how I'm wired. I actually listen better if, if, if I'm moving. Kinesthetic learner. Unless that crank's turning, the light bulb doesn't come on, you know, and it's just sitting there waiting for people to stop. So, so I think, you know, we can do both. <laughs> we can do both, put together notebooks and keep up with the prayer service. So if you're coming to prayer on, on Tuesday, um, you know, I'll, I'll try to send something out on the WhatsApp group. And then that way we can, we can all coordinate with that. But, so you'll let us know if it's here or West or East Annex. Right. Yeah, the, yeah, so, yes, sir. Yeah, and also I think we will share about our trip this Tuesday. This Tuesday. Is the Egypt trip is, yeah. is this Tuesday. Good. Yeah. Okay. This Tuesday, we're going to give a trip report on the Egypt-South Sudan trip. So we may be absent for part of the binder thing we're putting together the notebooks so um well let's pray and i'm so excited look at here grab your phone real quick look at this brand new discipleship books man i'm excited for that that's amazing so praise the lord let's um and we will love each other more yes, yes. thank you babe for my daughter marlene 
um, has been put in, in his bed. And maybe after two weeks or one month, it makes the surgery in Iraq. Oh, okay. Please. Marlene's having back problems. It's going to require surgery. Yeah. Is it like a disc? Uh, yeah, a disc. Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah, no. Something. No. Something. Something in the um, I don't know. Yeah, we are the uh, uh, consul with the uh, American American doctor. So he said, if we are thinking or worrying one percent, we would like to do it as soon as we can. Gotcha. So, uh, so Marlene. Did you say she lives in Iraq? Yes, okay. she is. She yeah, is right now in Iraq. Okay. Well, Guy and Lois's daughter, they're they're doing work. Uh, in Iraq, and uh, she's going to need back surgery. So we need to pray for that. Now, when we break up into our small groups, make sure you leave time for prayer, but we'll just pray for that right now together as a class. Anything else we need to pray for as a class right now getting started? Actually, it was good. Praise God for it. Pray for him, please. So pray for Casey's salvation. Pray for uh, Jenny's Steve, you know, for help. The general help. Okay. Yes. I'm having hernia surgery. I need to, you know, I need prayers. Okay. I would like to add uh, to pray for our leaders during mission. Ah, yes. It's like our leaders will be very busy and visiting. We are many visitor, visitors and uh, a lot. The schedule is, you know, very, very crowded. So we would like to pray for our leaders. So we're praying for Marlene, for Casey, for Stevie, and for our leaders in Mission Focus. Gail? Oh, Fred. Frederick. Yeah. Okay, let's just go to the Lord real quick. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and you said in your word that we are to cast our cares upon you. And Lord, as a class, we have some cares. And Father, we come before your throne of grace to get mercy in time of need. And Lord, would you please, Lord, strengthen us and help us. Lord, I, I, I pray for Marlene, who's having back surgery. And, and Lord, I pray you would prosper her, that you your hand of blessing would be upon her and lord we pray um for casey for his salvation father that you would draw him to yourself and lord just give him lord the the strength and the grace to be able to respond to your spirit and we pray that the devil would not be able to stop that lord we pray for stevie for his health in general that you would prosper him and strengthen him and bless him lord we thank you for frederick and and lord uh lord his faithfulness and he, he needs hernia surgery. So, Lord, we just pray that you would guide and direct and protect, Lord, that he would come through that without complication, that, that, Lord, he would come to a state of wellness and wholeness and ability to serve you, Lord, with, with the years that he has left. Use him, we ask that, Lord. Um, Father, for our time together in your word, we just ask for your blessings lord we ask that you would open the eyes of our understanding and lord help us as a fellowship to just be able to move forward in light of that we ask in jesus name amen okay you're going to want a bible because you're going to want we're going to be flipping around a few places this morning
and then we'll have time in our small groups, Lord willing, to to work through some of this stuff. So we are continuing. We're almost done with First John, and um, it's been twenty. We're this is week twenty-five of our of our study. Remember to find and plug into one of our Bible studies. Uh, we're, we're looking at maybe doing a Bible study up here off the map somewhere way up north and uh, maybe pray for that too, getting that started. But here we have our Bible studies, the Lenexa Panera Bread Bible study, the gross, the men's Bible study here at Midtown and the Raytown Bible study at our house. Okay, so. Let's review real quick. Look at 1 John chapter 5. Last week, we're in verse 13. We saw this one verse. One verse in 1 John answers a tremendous amount of bad theology. Okay. What we saw last week out of verse 13 was that many theologies teach that we may not know that we have eternal life. There's, there's a lot of theology that teaches you can't know if you're saved. Oh, and by the way, you can't even believe on the name of the Lord. You can't believe on the name of the Son of God. It's not in you to believe because your total depravity makes you totally unable to respond to the truth of God's word. Or they teach that you have to earn your salvation. You have to have good works. You could lose your salvation, some people teach. So when those things are taught, the message is you can't know you have eternal life because you might lose it tomorrow. You can't know you have eternal life because you don't know if you're elect or not. You don't, you can't believe on the name of the Son of God. And this one verse says you can know and you can believe. What a simple thing. Okay, so many theologies teach you may not know you have eternal life. The Bible says you may know. Thank the Lord for that. Okay. Uh, we saw yesterday that we the, 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 the way this works, okay, is that there's different types of theology. And, and the, some of these theologies, they take the things of God's word out of God's word. So, yeah, let's study salvation. So systematic theology will take salvation out of Scripture one verse at a time and try to come up with some truth about salvation. Okay, I'm not afraid of theology. I love theology, but we have to have a biblical theology. A biblical theology says that God has revealed progressively truth that we need to know in God's word as it's God's word, and we have a dispensational view of scripture, which means that God, it's always God's grace to those who will respond to him in faith that's always how it works but it's a little different that's why we don't have a temple and an altar anymore it's different now than it was then so while those teachings to the nation of israel are very true every word of it for us we just see that it points to christ so for us it's we need to believe in christ so anyway what happens is someone gets saved they're on fire for the lord and in their zeal, they go to Bible college or seminary, or they, they go to an online school where they're going to get their master's 
in divinity because they really are on fire for the Lord. And what happens is they get theology that ruins their faith. There's a saying amongst pastors, it takes you four years to get through seminary, and it takes you 40 years to get seminary out of you. It takes you four years to get out of seminary, it takes 40 years to get the seminary out of you. Because when people learn theology, they can learn it in a way that actually isn't biblical in terms of the mission that God's given the church in that section of scripture that's not just for us, but written to us which of course is Romans through Philemon. So, so anyway, the point I'm making is don't let theology ruin your faith. Never get to the point where you talk yourself out of simple faith in God's word. Okay, anyone know, anyone that's done that? I do, some of us, yeah, happens all the time. Okay. Last week was verse 13. This week it's 14 and 15. Look at verses 14 and 15 with me. These two verses are a continuation. They continue the same theme that John has, which is these things have I written unto you. So we're talking about the written, things that are written to us. And this is what he says in verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. And so, listen, we're talking about how we can have confidence in God and how prayer works. That's what we're talking about this morning. So I don't know if you know how prayer works. I don't know, you know, how your confidence level is with God. But I know this, there's a lot of people who are sitting there with their fingers crossed saying, I hope God answers my prayers. Okay, God might not even hear the prayers of that person that he loves so much that he died for. Can you believe that? Okay, that, how do we know God hears and answers our prayers? What confidence do we have in him? That's what we're talking about this morning. The Supreme Court receives about 10,000 petitions, requests to have a case heard in the Supreme Court every year. And out of those 10,000 cases, they hear between 75 and 80 cases a year. Here's what... what uh, judiciallearningcenter.org says about that. This, the justices of the Supreme Court are most likely to take cases that will affect the entire country, not just the individuals involved. They want to clarify legal issues that are important to as many people as possible, so they take the cases that will have a large constitutional impact or that answer important legal questions that affect the whole nation. So out of these 10,000 petitions to the Supreme Court to have a case heard, most of them don't get heard. And the reason why is because the Supreme Court, although they care about every citizen, okay, there is a bigger agenda at hand. So the, the state of our nation and the continuation of our nation depends on the Constitution. If we don't have the Constitution, our, our nation is in trouble. 
and the Supreme Court, whichever way they tend to lead, is going to be working to make sure that the Constitution is being properly interpreted. That's, that's the whole thing. So I may have a case that's very, very, very important to me, but if it doesn't have anything to do with the well-being of this country or the Constitution, the Supreme Court probably isn't going to hear that case. Okay, that makes sense, right? Well, it's the same way with God. God has a purpose that he has purposed for not just us, but for all of creation throughout all time, for humanity as it is, for the church in the church age. And there are times that God's people pray, but that prayer isn't actually in keeping with God's agenda, with God's will. I remember, I'll give you a silly example. Okay. I was in med school and med school was, was, was a trial for us. And I remember I got gas, I went in the gas station and I, I just bought a lottery ticket, which I never, never do. I probably bought a handful of lottery tickets my whole life. But I bought a lottery ticket and I just prayed, you know, God, just in case, you want me to not have to go through any more medical school. I will do my part and in faith buy a lottery ticket. So here I am, you know, crossing my fingers, like, you know, God, if you want, I'm willing to go ahead and win the lottery. And then I don't have to learn any more biochemistry or, you know, microbiology. It's probably micro. That's probably a microbiology. Set. <laughs> okay. So I thank God that he didn't hear for that prayer, right? Because although that was a time, as was a big learning curve for me. I had to grow up. I did learn to discipline myself and study and all that kind of stuff. Um, like the worst thing that could have happened was I'd have won the lottery. I, I probably never would have grown up. I, I, I certainly wouldn't have had the career I've had over the last 20 years as a physician and, and matured like I needed to anyway, right? You guys see how that's a, yeah, right, you know. So, okay. But I was praying, like that was a prayer of someone who God loved dearly, who, got, who Christ died for. <laughs> Silly, okay. All right, so let's look at 1 John 5, 14 and 15 and get some understanding. First of all, we read this. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And so what we need to, to understand is that our confidence in God is based on something. It's not, it's, it's not just a measure of how much faith can you, uh, if you, you know, if you cross your eyes and squeeze real hard, can you muster up some more faith in God? It doesn't work that way. It's not that I'm going to stand up here and be like super inspirational and you're going to have a whole bunch of faith. It's not like that. Your confidence in God is based on something. And, and this is what we need to understand, okay, that, that what we do is we align ourselves to God's will instead of asking God to align himself with our will. 
We need, it's in your handout, okay? Number one, align yourself with God's will. Don't ask God to align himself with your will. If you ask God to align himself with your will, it may be that he does that. He answers your prayers. We do have a God at hearing and God answering prayer, but it would only be for the purpose of bringing you to the end of yourself to where finally you come to the point where you, you do vice versa. And you say, okay, God, here I am. I'm going to align myself with your will. And when I do that, I have great confidence in the Lord. Okay, now this is true of churches corporately. So for us as Midtown Baptist Temple, Scott Growth, how many times have you taught this in the new members class? Every time Scott taught new members, he laid this out. We had a little picture of the church. And the, and the message was, you know, the church needs to be inside of God's mission. We don't just like add God's mission to our church, right? It's vice versa. But what happens, we all start in a position when we're first saved where we're kind of asking God to do what we want him to do is how it tends to work because we're all babes in Christ. And that's what kids do. They're just like, I'm hungry. I'm whatever. And it's just it's all about, you know, them. But then as we grow, we switch over. So what, is, what, is, what are we talking about when we talk about God's will anyway? Well, you know, it's something that's determined, a, a determination. It's a choice, a desire, a purpose. And you can see God's purpose flow like a river throughout human history, all the way from Genesis to Revelation. There's a literal river, but there's also figuratively a river of the spirit of God and the purpose of God. And there's people all along the way from Genesis to Revelation who said, yes, I'm jumping in. I'm gonna be a part of what God's doing. You gotta get your feet off the ground. You gotta jump in. You gotta be a part of what God's doing. And that takes faith. But those are the people that we read about in scripture who both individually and corporately said yes to that. So God has a, God has a will. He has a plan, a purpose. He has a a will for the lost, okay? God's will for the lost is salvation. So everyone that's, they haven't come to know Christ yet. They're lost in their sin. God's will for them is salvation. How do we know that? Where, how do you know that anyway? How would anyone possibly know that? You go to the word of God. Okay, so 2 Peter 3.9 says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. This is talking about the end times when he comes back. Why hasn't he come back yet? You know, well, he's not slack. He's long suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish. There it is. The will of God is that none should perish, but that all should come to repent. We know the will of God for the lost. Okay, do, can I now pray? according to God's will, for Casey. For, for everyone else I know who God is drawing and I see God at work in their life, do I know how to pray for them? Absolutely. And so to what degree of confidence can we pray for the lost to be saved and know that we're praying according to God's will? We can be 100% confident. We know what the book says. Okay, God has a plan for the saved. He has a will for the saved. That is, sanctification so salvation happens a moment in time go from being lost to being saved 
you, you're born again and then you're born again. It happens just in a, in a moment in time. However, the process, which now includes maturation and us becoming separated from the world and looking more like Christ and less like how we are in the natural state, this is a process called sanctification and that happens slowly over time. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse three starts with this. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. And then the rest of verse three, all the way down through verse 12, just goes through some things, some, some ways in which we can start to work on that sanctification process. Okay, so if you're born again, and you know that this is the process that is God's will for your life, to what degree of certainty can we have when we're praying and moving forward? And we can be 100% sure, right? Our confidence can be complete because we've got God at his word. And finally, there is the God has a will for the church. So for us as a group, we are the body of Christ. That's what, for, that's what Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23 says, is that we are the body of Christ. Okay, the body of Christ is to do the will of Christ. That is to make disciples, which is what Matthew 28, 16. 16 talks about how he calls them together, and he gave them like this charge to do. And, and then Jesus came and spake unto them, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, that's evangelism, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. In your small groups, if you don't know, if you need to get baptized or baptized again, talk about that in your small group. There should be someone in each small group who can explain what baptism is and how that works to you. Okay, but anyway, this is the mission that God gave the church. So as Midtown Baptist Temple or as Living Well, which is a subset of Midtown, if we are a part of making disciples, okay, do we have to be concerned if God is with us? Okay, well... Maybe I'm not asking that right. I would say we don't need to know if God's with us. Okay, here's key point number one. Understanding that it's not us asking God to conform himself to our will. God, please give me what I want. God, fix my spouse. God, fix my boss. God, help me win the lottery. Okay? Well, no, no, no. God's the God and we're his people. We're not the Lord or and when we order him around. So, it's our job to come align ourselves with his will, not ask him to align him. with this understanding. We don't have to wonder if God is with us because we're with him. Do I have to pray? Well, God, if you want this person to be saved. No, no, no. I know God wants him to be saved. My fellowship is to pray for this person and to share the gospel with this person. That's my whole job. But I don't have to wonder if God's with me because I'm with him because I've aligned my life to his will. I believe this is why God has blessed Midtown. People come in and are like, there's something different about your church. And it's like, well, I think it's this simple. We're just doing what God said to do. We're just focused on making disciples and all of our activities. I mean, we're a really busy church. Amen. 
Like there's hardly anybody here today because everybody's so tired. And we're just getting started on our missions conference. Ah. Well, we are so busy because it takes everything we've got to make disciples. It's a lot harder to make disciples than it is to hold services. But anyway, if we're with him, we don't have to wonder if he's with us. We can have complete confidence. That's key point number one. Now, now if, if we read on here, okay, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. I'm going to go back to last week in verse 13. These things have I written unto you. We talked about that last week. And one thing we saw, it's the written word of God that gives us our confidence. And so here we, we, we can ask according to his will because we have his word. It's the things that are written. So, you know, when we were in Egypt, the, 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 I asked my class that I was teaching there, I said, how is God working here in South Sudan? One of the men stood up and he said, I'm a prophet, I'm an apostle. And I had, here's how God's at work in South Sudan. I had a vision. And in my vision, a man was sick. And so I tracked this man down. Sure enough, he was sick. And I got him the help he needed. And then he ended up getting saved. That's how God's at work in South Sudan. And I said, oh, so great. So you had a vision and that's what you're able to share with us today. So I could come back to the United States and I could tell people about your vision that you had and how God used that. Okay. I'm not saying your vision's not valid, but what if we had the word of God? And what if you could teach the word of God to people and now people can go home and instead of tell a story about a vision, people can say, thus saith the Lord and have certainty of the words of truth because they now know what the Bible says, how we have God at our word, and we could have confidence in that. So I went to Jeremiah chapter 23, where it says, he that hath been preacher vision, but he that hath the word, preach the word. What is the chaff to the wheat? Is my word not a hammer? Is my word not a fire? So I, I wasn't trying to be dismissive, but at the same time, if you have a personal experience, you can share that. Maybe that story will get carried down a little bit. But if you have the word of God, then we know the will of God. We can pray according to the will of God, and we know God's going to hear that. We know that we have what we ask, and we can be confident of that. Okay, and that leads us to key point number two. With this understanding, Bible study becomes an investigation into spiritual reality. For instance, what is God's will? Well, I'm going to learn God's will through God's word, and my Bible study does it just become a perfunctory religious activity that I'm supposed to do every day? Oh, I didn't read my Bible today. Sorry, God. I know I'm supposed to read my Bible. And it, no, no, hang on a minute. This is the written word of God, which gives us the will of God. And if I know the will of God, I can pray accordingly. And I know I'm going to have what I ask. It's amazing. This book, supernatural. Okay, so... Let's talk about that for, for just a second, because we need to consider what this means a little bit. Look at Romans, at Romans chapter 12 with me. This is where we're going to have to turn on our Bibles a little bit. 
Okay, before we get to Romans 12, I'm sorry, I, I skipped letter A. In your, in your handout, letter A, Matthew chapter 6, 9 through 13. You can turn there if you want. You guys know it, though. This is the Lord's Prayer. Right? You guys familiar with this? How does it go? Yeah. Half of us grew up saying this religiously every week. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will. Okay. Before you even knew what any of it meant, you were mumbling it because you had to stand up and do it with your parents. Okay. By the way, that's not the Lord's prayer. Jesus didn't pray that prayer. That was the prayer, that the model prayer that Jesus presented to his disciples to teach them how to pray. Jesus never said, this is how I pray. He said, this is how you pray, right? It's not the Lord's prayer. It's the disciples' model template for prayer is what it is. But that's harder to say. So it's called the Lord's prayer. Okay, but with the Lord's prayer, our Father, there's some context, right? Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Okay, now, it's just like Nick was preaching about in first service. Okay, God, I'll just be a steward of what you've given me, but it's thy name, thy glory, thy kingdom, thy will. God, your will is done on up in heaven, but here on earth, your creation is in rebellion. Okay, God, here we are. Thy will be done. Start here. Start here. Maybe that can spread out into our families, in our communities, where God's will will be done by a bunch of people who are willing to consider themselves stewards and not owners, right? Does that make sense? Okay, so anyway, I just, you know, you're familiar with that. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, turn there. It's pretty warm in here, isn't it? It's, you guys are all about to fall asleep. It's too warm. Yeah, it's warm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. You guys are probably also familiar to some extent with this verse. Let's look at it. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect what? Ah, okay. So good. That's what we're talking about is the will of God here. And if we know the will of God, then we can pray according to his will. God's going to hear that case, and we're going to have what we ask of him. But let's look at this because it's super interesting. Number one, the word prove means to put it to the test. Hey, listen, taste and see that the Lord is good. Put it to the test. When we were in discipleship, Christine and I, you know, I'm not embarrassed to say we were just disasters. Like, seriously, our lives were, were, it wasn't good. We weren't doing well. We had to go to marital counseling. 
Um, you know, that's about the only thing we could agree on. No, seriously, our lives were kind of a mess. We were kids trying to learn how to be adults, and we, we, we had our daughter, and we were undiscipled, saved but undiscipled, and that's a really hard way to live. And so by the grace of God, we entered into discipleship, and, and, and when the light came on for me, I was challenged, and the guy just said, I challenge you to put your faith in what this book says and see if God isn't faithful to you in response. And God has been nothing but faithful. And God's ways are so much better than our ways. We went from having a marriage that was, that was in you know, peril to teaching at marriage conferences. We went from not knowing how to be parents to running kid town. I can't tell you how many times I've taught parenting to the church. And, and I don't, I, I'm not, the only thing that we did in response, and we did these things together, we minister together, okay? We used to barely be able to be in the same room together. I mean, we got some things worked out, because, but, but anyway, so now we minister together, and there's people that say, well, man, I wish I could have what you have. So, well, I just thank God you don't have what we used to have before. But all we did was start learning this book and saying, okay, oh, wait, we need to stop doing that. We need to start doing this. Okay. And sometimes it's hard. But what happens is we get grace through faith. Okay. So the will of God, this is our first point. The will of God is good. Okay. That's what Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says. Why does God say that his will is good? I mean, don't we all kind of know that? By definition, God is, is good. His will is good. And here's the reason why. Because not everything is good. And there's been other people or other things or circumstances in your life that presented themselves as good to you, and you were betrayed by that. So sometimes we have trust issues. Okay, so a so couple points here. <clears throat> it doesn't say it's better. It doesn't say the will of God is better than your will. It doesn't say God's ways are better than your way. It says God's will is good. Okay, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus, he falls down on his knees, and he says, good master, what must I do to be saved? And what's, what's Jesus' response? Huh? Somebody? Why callest thou me good? There's one that's good, and that's God. Either I'm God, and I'm worthy of your trust, or I'm not. But there's none that's righteous except the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, so what we need to understand is it's trustworthy. Can you put your trust in God's will? Yes. The devil's going to plant seeds that you cannot. Okay? Someone did you wrong, and you're going to put that off on God, and you'll be mad at everybody, God included. Seriously, you can trust God's will. It's acceptable. Okay, so what's that mean? Well... What that means, it's sufficient. If I simply live out God's will, 
Am I going to stand before him someday and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Like, is, is God's will acceptable? Well, of course it's acceptable to God. It's God's will. Oh, how did I, oh, how did I miss that? If I just simply do what he said when I stand before him, I'll be accepted. He knows we're not going to do anything perfectly, you guys. He just wants us to jump in that river of his purpose and to do his will, which requires us giving up our own will, which is the hard part. Lastly, the will of God is perfect. Perfect means what? Complete. Okay. It's unchangeable. So we're going to play backyard football this afternoon. Jeff, Jeff. You know, he's the youth guy. So I'm going to have him set the rules for our backyard football, if you will. But once those rules are set, Andrew can't change the rules halfway through the first quarter to get an extra set of downs or to run that interception back or something, right? Anyone ever had that happen to you before? So your boss changed the rules? Yeah, you'll be fully vested in five years, they said. And then they change the rules after four and a half years or whatever, right? We've all experienced things like that where someone changed the rules on us. And so that can result in trust issues. That can result in confidence issues. You know, someone tells you they love you and you're like, yeah, I heard that before. Well, wait a minute. Don't put off on this person, something you're dealing with from the last person. That's not fair. Now, I'm not saying, all I'm saying is God's will is trustworthy. It's good, you guys. You can believe the Lord. It is acceptable. If we just do that, that's enough. We're not, and then he's not going to change his rules. Thy word is forever settled in heaven. Okay. Okay, so. Um, now, with this understanding, prayer becomes a means by which we get to be a part of God's mission, and it directs our plan within his will. I know his will is for the lost to be saved. I know his will is for the saints to be sanctified. I know his will for the church is to make disciples, but I still am not sure exactly where I need to find my place in the ministry of this local church. Is it in evangelism? Is it in one of the ministries? Is it in discipleship? Is it in some deacon function or teaching in Kidtown? Where do I find my place within your will? And here's the first step. God, here I am. Have your way. We're the living well class, Lord. We're just showing up for duty. Whatever you say, we're going to do it. That's why we start our Bible studies with that. Okay, God, we're about to open your book. Before you even show us anything, our answer is yes, we'll do it. And if we will be willing, we'll be, used, we'll be usable. Does that make sense? So, but we still have to find our place. And so we pray through that. We look at the structure of the church. We talk to our spouses, talk to your discipler, talk to me. And the whole thing, God just orchestrates that by his spirit to, to have things work out the, the way uh, he wants it to. So, that's, so prayer isn't so much me directing God into my will. It's me directing my particular plan within his will. His will is the same for all of us. The plan is different, right? Does this sound like, like a discipleship lesson? Sound familiar to anybody? 
Yeah, okay, so praise the Lord. Um, okay, so small group discussions. I think we want to talk about our plans within his will. Where, where are, where's my plan within his will? Can I pinpoint that? Okay, is your confidence in something that is trustworthy? In something that is, you know, it's sufficient, something that's unchangeable? And then just to have a lively discussion, I, I threw in there the question, what about the parachurch organization? What about them? Where do they fit in in terms of God's uh, will and plan? So you can talk about that too if you run out of other things to talk about. But let's pray. Let's wrap it up. And I think this is a simple concept. Okay. Align yourself with God's will. Don't just ask God to align himself with your will. And then answered prayer comes as we do that. His will is so much better, you guys. The more you learn, the more you do. I, Christine and I still say this all the time. I can't believe we used to live like that. I can't believe we used to think like that. How did we not get this until we're 50 years old or whatever? We just, we're still just learning and growing and seeing things in God's word. And we're still just amazed at how much better his way is than our way if we'll just let go of our way and just trust him. So. Make sense? Yes. Simple but profound, right? Okay, yes, Gail. No, a parachurch organization would be like the Salvation Army. Campus Crusade for Christ. The missions sending organization. No? Someone who's not, so they're doing the work of God, but they're not a local church. What? Yeah, what about that? Well, that's what you can talk about in your small groups. It'd be a fun, I'll just throw that out there for fodder for you. Uh, let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we want to have a, a, a life and a prayer life that makes sense, Lord, so that we can have confidence in you. And so, God, you you know, you point out that you've written unto us excellent things and that if we see the Bible for what it is, Lord, we, you know, it'll be like sweet, be like honey to our taste. And God, we want to see the word of God like that and not fall into the trap of just religious activity. And so, Lord, we need you for that. And God, just as a group, best we can, Lord, with as much as we know, we just want to say, here we are. Have your way, thy will be done in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.